Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. So this evening we're going to be exploring the question, how do we live as Christians in the church? We're specifically going, there's a lot of different ways, but we're specifically going to explore the relationship between pastors and the members of the congregation. Or as the small catechism calls us, the pastors and the hearers. The reason that the members of the church are called hearers is because God's word tells us that faith comes through hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So in order to explore this relationship, we're actually going to be doing a couple of things. Since it is Lent, we're going to be following Jesus' passion and the scripture verses and the table of duties. With all this said, we begin our journey in in between the relationship of pastor and hearers. So Jesus' ministry, more than that, his life, it was fast coming to a close. There was less than 24 hours left in Jesus' life. And he decided to take this time in the upper room to teach his 12 disciples some last-minute things. John himself was an eyewitness, and he remembers this night. And he wrote these words. In, in recognition of what happened. John wrote, Having loved his own who are in the world, Jesus loved them to the end. How did he show his love for them in that room that night? He began by giving them his very body and blood in the Lord's Supper. In other words, he gave himself to them for the forgiveness of their sins. And then... After that was over, he got down on his hands and his knees before his creation, and he washed their hands, or washed their feet on his hands and his knees. This was done to the dismay of Peter. Here was their teacher, their Lord, the one who they believed to be the Son of the living God. He was their pastor, and what was he doing? He was washing them. The one who was supposed to be served was the one who was among them in service. After washing their feet, Jesus continued his service to his disciples. He taught them, and then he prayed for them. You can read the rest of the story in John chapters 14 through 17. Their evening ended with a hymn, And it moved on towards the passion that we have on the wall uh, into the right, to my right of the sanctuary. Jesus' love caused him to serve. This is strange because Jesus, being God, was supposed to be the one being served. He was the one with all the power, he was the one who had all the might. He should have been the one with all of the servants. But he himself had said, the kings of Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority over them are called benefactors. In other words, they're the ones being served. We see this today. The more money you have, the less you have to do. The more that you have, Uh, the more that people will be serving you. But Jesus says to his disciples, 
who would be the church's first pastors. He says, It shall not be so among you. He that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. And he that is chief, let him be the one that serves. For who is greater, he that sits at the table or he that serves? It's the one who sits at the table. I am among you as a servant, Jesus said. He's like no other. And today, after his death and resurrection for the forgiveness of our sins, Jesus is still the one who serves. What do we call our worship services on Sunday morning? In the hymnal, it says that they are divine service. In other words, this isn't man's service to God. This is God's service. He is the one serving. He still gives us his body and blood. He still washes us with water in the, at the font. And he still teaches us his word. And he still prays for us. The Bible says that he continues to intercede for us. But today he does these things through his pastors. I had a great experience uh, I guess a couple weeks ago now, and I've told a lot of you this, but I was talking with my son Noah about baptism. And in, in this talk, we were, we were chatting, and he's, he was asking me about all the people that were baptized. He said, do you remember this baptism? Do you remember this baptism? Do you remember my baptism? And I said, yes, I remember your baptism. I was the one who baptized you. And he looked at me like, then he goes, you mean Jesus baptized me through you? I was like, that is, that's awesome. Five years old, and he, knew, he knows that this was divine service. It was God serving him through the hands of another, through the hands of his earthly father in that case. The 12 disciples who were being served by Jesus on the night of his passion were the church's apostles, the church's first pastors. And since that night, 2,000 years ago, God has given his church pastors for each and every generation who serve his people, not with words of their own, but with his word, with his sacraments. They do this in the stead and by the command of their Savior, Jesus Christ. It is Jesus' service to his people, done through his servants. So as your pastor preaches, Jesus is serving you. He's serving you with the benefits of his love that showed themselves in his death and resurrection. As your pastor baptizes, Jesus is washing you. In the scripture in Titus 3, it says, He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say, Pastor so-and-so saved us. It is Jesus' work. And as your pastor institutes the Lord's Supper, he uses the words of Jesus himself. And Jesus himself is serving you with his very passion for you. He is giving you his body and blood. He is giving you life and salvation for you. If the pastor is doing his job right, it's almost as if he isn't there. 
For he is speaking and serving on behalf of the one who serves, Jesus Christ himself. Jesus said to the church's first pastors on the night of his passion, Do you know what I've done for you? You call me Master and Lord, and it is good that you say this, for so I am. If then your Lord and Master has washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. I have done this to show you the way to do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives anyone whom I shall send. Let me say that one more time. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives anyone whom I shall send receives me. Whoever receives me receives him who sent me. Now, Jesus did not mean that pastors from there on out should be washing feet, which I'm thankful for. I'm, I'm sure you have great feet, but I, I'm not, I don't like doing that. <laughs> but this was a custom that was done, this was a custom that was done in all the houses at Jesus' time. And a person, when you walked into a certain person's house, if this was a person of means, he wouldn't be washing your feet. He would be having his servants wash your feet. But this custom has vanished from our time. But the humility and the service of this practice remains. It remains in other forms. Today, the overseer must be above reproach. The husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, etc., I can tell you when I look over these lists for myself, it gives me a ton of things to ask for forgiveness for. Um, because chances are on any given day you can find me not living up to, up to this, um, this list of things that a pastor is, is to be. But I thank God for the for- forgiveness uh, that, people, that people give me. And I also thank God uh, for the recognition that I am in agreement with these things. And all pastors should be. They shouldn't be looking to defend themselves against these things. They should be looking to wherever they have gone against them to confess them. Uh, in other words, this word humbles the pastor. The pastor must be the things that were exhibited in the washing of feet. Uh, these These requirements bring any pastor to humility. And above all, it says, above all, he must must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. He's not to be teaching his own thing. I'm not here to give you something new. I'm not here to give you anything that hasn't been said before. I'm not to create something uh, to bring in more hearers. I have everything I need to deliver to you in the Word of God, in the small catechism. It's been given to me by my pastors. And then once the church called me to be a pastor, I keep on giving the same thing. Nothing new. 
It's the same message. If In this sanctuary, the one thing that I had in mind in the de- design was to have the gospel reading, or whatever the main reading was, have that be on the screen. And then those images, on, on, or those uh, carvings on the side, is to remind me how I am to preach it. I am to preach the gospel as it refers to the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. That's the idea every time. And the hearers, and the hearers, which includes all of us in the room, when we receive that word in sacrament, we are receiving more than just a pastor. We are receiving Jesus who sent that pastor. And with Jesus, we are receiving God as our Heavenly Father. You know what Jesus told the disciples to call God in prayer? And I love to think of it this way, because when we teach the Our Father, we tend to think of it horizontally, right? Like, because He's all of our God, our Father who art in heaven. But think about who was saying this. It was Jesus Himself. So when he told God to call what to when he told us what to call him in prayer, he said, Look, you call him our father. In other words, Jesus was saying, My father and yours. When we receive Jesus, we receive God as our heavenly father. And God is calling us home. Heaven is our home. And he does this through the word and the sacrament that he gives us. Jesus' passion for you is delivered to you through the lips of a forgiven sinner whom Jesus has called upon to serve you. As you sit in the, in the, the I was going to say pews, but in the chairs. <laughs> As you sit in the chairs uh, tonight, you are clean. You are presentable to God. Because Jesus has washed you with water and the word as your pastor baptized you. As you sit in your chairs this evening, Jesus is serving you. He is serving you with teaching through the mouth of your pastor. You are receiving divine service. Jesus says, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. We hold him to his promise. He is with us tonight. How do you respond to this service? Well, you together as Jesus' beloved church, you call pastors whom God sends. In other words, you value God's word. You want people who have been uh, trained. You, you, You desire to hear the pure word taught. And you supply those men with with their wages, which comes from your tithes and offerings. And you help with the upkeep of the house where you receive God's gifts through your service and offerings. You know, this house, I like to tell people that the sanctuary, the church, is a place where we've all agreed to gather. And what's the purpose of our gathering? We all together desire to hear God's gifts, to receive God's gifts, to hear his word. That's so important to us 
that we've set aside a certain room. And you respect your pastors and you hold them in high esteem because of their service, not so much because of who they are. There'll be another pastor that comes after me. But we hold, the, we hold our pastors in high esteem as long as they are holding to the trustworthy word. As the writer of Hebrews puts it, you obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. There are plenty of verses that talk about the pastor having to give an account for what he teaches. Uh, and that's an account on the last day with God. So you recognize this. And you obey them so that their work will be a joy and not a burden. And I pray you, I pray that you guys, if you ever hear me teaching something that doesn't stick with Jesus' death and resurrection for you, and I start preaching another way to heaven in some sort of way, I pray that you would talk to me about it. Because uh, as, as it notes, I have to hold an account. That doesn't mean that um, I can't make a mistake. So I, I pray that you would uh, feel free to talk to me and we can go through the word together. It says that we submit because we realize that through these called and ordained men, God is giving his service to you. This isn't a power struggle, in other words. It's not a power struggle. It's a relationship. Does that make sense? Like, I'm, I'm not here to get rich off of you. <laughs> And I, I'm not. <laughs> but I'm here because this is the order that God has set. And it's the thing that he's called me to do. And I can tell you, it is a blessing in my life to do it. It really is. I can't see myself in any other position. Um, it's just such a, it's such a blessing for me. And when we receive these gifts, what Peter said when Jesus tried to wash his feet, we echo. And we say, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. In other words, we desire all that God wants to give us. So we call on our pastors to deliver the gifts that God has chosen, chosen to send us through him. So now may the peace that comes through God's service and the gift that surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until he returns for you. Amen.